Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the program where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this program is to be a source of inspirational truth that will not only awaken a deeper hunger within you for more of God, but also a source of encouragement when it comes to maintaining a deep passion for the Lord. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering practices of the temple, and it reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and to maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hello, and welcome to Maintain the Flame this week. I'm your host, Keith Collins. And I'm blessed to know that you are listening today, and I I pray that what you're about to hear will encourage you, that it will challenge you, and really more than anything else, that it will cause you to have a greater hunger and a greater desire to know Jesus Christ in a deeper way. I found out, serving the Lord now for almost 37 years, that there's no end to Him. There's always more. There's always deeper places in him. There's always greater experiences with his love, his mercy, his forgiveness, his power, his holiness, his immutability, his transcendency. I mean, he's just beyond description. However, even though he is indescribable because he's so great, yet at the same time, he's knowable. So what an incredible opportunity you and I have every day of our lives to go deeper in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know, this this program, Maintain the Flame, is really not just about maintaining the flame of God in your heart, even though that's that's a key concept and a key purpose for this program, but we're also about really encouraging you to have a greater hunger for a greater flame of God to burn in your heart, that it gets hotter and hotter and brighter and brighter all the time. And, you know, this past weekend, I was blessed to be in the state of Pennsylvania, a little town called New Florence, about an hour out of Pittsburgh. And Saturday, I spoke at a men's conference, a men's meeting, and several men there and I was so blessed to see their hunger, to see their their passion, to see their desire to know Jesus in a greater way and to make him known in this generation. And I, I took my, my text from John 15 where Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And then he encourages us to abide in him. And I just want to encourage you just, just for a second here or a few seconds here. Friend, you have to abide in him. It's not enough to know about Jesus. It's not enough to read the Bible. That's very important, and that's part of our spiritual growth and maturity. However, you've got to know him, and you've got to make sure that you are living in such a way that you are spending time with him, that you are going deeper in his love, that you are going deeper in who he is, that you understand who you are in him because of the price that he has paid for you. So anyway, I I talked about multiple things, but 
the Bible says in John 15 there, Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And, and the picture there is that a branch separated from the vine begins to wither. It begins to die. It begins to dry up. Why? Because the life or the, the sap, the sustenance comes from the vine into the branches. And when the branches are removed from the life source, then they cannot live on their own. And I will say that there are many people who believe in Jesus. They maybe have even had an experience with him. Maybe they've prayed a sinner's prayer. They might even be faithful to a local church, but they do not know him. And they are separated from him or from the vine. And let me just encourage you in love to pursue him, to seek his face. He says, if you seek me, you will find me, friend, we are called to thrive as we abide in him. And that brings me to my subject today. I, I want to finish up what I started last week, or at least do part two. Last week, I talked about um, what it means to really have a first love experience, and I called it first love fire. The reason for that is I recently finished a new book called First Love Fire. It's going to be available um, November the 1st. And um, really the premise or the foundation of the book is really dealing with the fact that oftentimes we leave our first love. And and I want to read from Revelation chapter 2 again this week. I started here last week, but I want to read this again because I think it gives a, a great foundation for, for what I want to share. So listen to the words of Jesus John writes this in, in the second chapter of Revelation, but this is the Lord himself speaking through John. He says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. And have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Now, as I said last week, when you read those first three verses, wow. I mean, what a, what an amazing picture of a stellar church, a, a church that seems to be without compromise, a church that has adhered to sound doctrine and has refused heresy and even false apostles, false teachers. And even though that's great and that's something we should all strive for and live for, in verse 4, the picture changes. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, even though all these things are true, yet I hold this against you. What? You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Some translations say you have forsaken your first love. So what does he say? Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstands from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate it. And then he says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So let me just go back again to, to verse 4. He says, I hold this against you, even though you've done all these great things, even though externally you appear to be holy and righteous and pure and sound in your doctrine and sound in your beliefs. He says, you have walked away or you have forsaken your first love. Therefore, repent 
and go back and do your first works over again. Now, now I want to talk to you again this week about this first love experience. And last week, I talked a lot about what it means to, to have an external facade or to have a holy, pious outward appearance and even outward um, demonstration before others. However, to not really be walking with God in an intimate way on the inside. And, and unfortunately, many people fall into this trap. But but there's another thing that I want to talk to you about as I um as I get into part two of First Love Fire today. And that is the fact that many people are deceived through mixture. Now, what do I mean by mixture? You see, the the charge for the Ephesian church to return to her first love and to her first works was paramount. And I believe that it stands as a clarion call for each of us today. And what is the call? The call is to come back to that single primary focus, that single primary purpose, which is to have a first love experience with Jesus that never grows old, that never grows dim. You see, we we have oftentimes been very faithful in multiple areas. We we can become stalwarts when it comes to proper theology. And, and some of us have even been lovers of revival and even revival history. But but I'm telling you, you can even love revival. And I've I was blessed to be in the Brownser revival. Um, I've shared this before, but but listen, I can love what God did then. And I was in an incredible move of God where Hundreds of thousands of people, really over three and a half million people came to that meeting and hundreds of thousands were gloriously transformed. And and I was transformed. I mean, I was saved when I got there, but but my experience was there. I'm sorry, my experience that I had there was so glorious that it was almost like I was saved again and again and again, even though there was no condemnation. But I was just experiencing the Lord in such deep ways that his glory, his fire, his holiness was overwhelming me over and over and over again. So I thank God for that experience. But I also know at this stage in my life that I can't camp in what God did from 1995 to 2000 in the Brownsville Revival at Pensacola, Florida. You see, there has to be a first love experience that I have in my life today. You see, it's it's an easy trap to fall into. Often, the motivation of even good works begins with purity and through intimacy with the Lord. But then we get into mixture. What do I mean by mixture? In other words, we, we have a, a commitment to do the works of Jesus, and we should have that. But sometimes that becomes the thing that we love, and at the same time, we leave that intimate, devotional-based relationship that we have with Jesus, and the the outcome is oftentimes compromise or um, lukewarmness, and there's one thing that, that, that causes God to vomit, the Bible says, and that is lukewarmness. So we see in... Um, certain places throughout the scripture where the Lord would very deliberately deal with issues and even say things sometimes that were very offensive because they really dealt with the heart of an individual. In other words, one place he said this, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and with all your strength. Now, what a what a what a powerful statement that that the Bible makes here. But what is what is the Lord saying? There can't be mixture. He said, with everything that you have, with everything that you are, there must be this radical commitment and dedication to a life of intimacy with Jesus. In another place, Jesus said this, and this is offensive to a lot of people. He said, if you don't hate your mother, your father, even those in your, in other words, those in your family, if you don't hate them, you can't even be my disciple. Now, does the Lord really want us to hate our own families? Of course he doesn't. But what he's saying is this, the love that you have for me should be so much greater than any temporal love or any love on this earth that that love would almost be looked upon as hate because the radicality of the love that you have for me. That's that's the point of what Jesus is saying there. In other words, there cannot be mixture. And I am I'm convinced that there's a lot of mixture that that takes place in in much of the church. And and as a result, there are signs that we see in people's lives of people leaving their first love or people walking away from that devotion-based lifestyle to where Jesus is everything to them. Listen, I, I know the difference between ministering from a devotional life of intimacy with Jesus and ministering from intellectualism or even routine or even past experiences. And even though God can still use it, if I'm preaching truth and it might affect people, there's a big difference in my own life when I am connected to my first love, when I am living in that first works, first love experience. It's from that place that really the, the glory of heaven is revealed. I've, I've told leaders that I've trained for years that, listen, the anointing, the giftings upon your life, they, they continue to flow and even to move in and through your lives, even if you're not in prayer oftentimes. However, the glory of God upon your life will cost you you. In other words, I don't want to just be someone that has a gift or someone that has a certain anointing, whether to preach or to teach or to sing or whatever, but I want to bring the glory of God in my generation. I want the kingdom of heaven to come to bear on the hour of history that I live in, not for my own sake, but so that others can see and experience the reality of what it means to live a life connected, fused in divine union to the heart of Jesus Christ. And friend, that's the that's the great desire for this generation and even for this church age, a, a church age that has become full of mixture. There's a lot of good churches out there. There's a lot of good work being done. There's a lot of humanitarian aid being done. Last week, there was a horrible hurricane that hit my home state of Florida where I was born. And I asked you to pray for Florida. And if you have the wherewithal, whether it be the finances or through help to help that state right now, that would be amazing. But but listen to me. Um, the fact is you can send money there. You can send food there. You can send bottled water there. And, and I believe we should all do that. But many people, many people um, exchange a love-based relationship, a first love relationship with Jesus for humanitarian aid or for doing good works. And again, we're called to take care of the widows, take care of the orphans. I believe it's it's godly for us to help 
people that go through storms like Hurricane Ian and, and people that are in poverty and helping the poor. We should do all those things. All those things are a part of our Christian walk. My point is this. You can do that and not know Jesus. You can do that and not have a first love experience that is incessant or continual with the Lord. And if you're not careful, oftentimes you can allow that to take the place of intimacy with the Lord, and therefore you enter into what I call mixture. And this, this place of mixture can be very, very deceptive to where we begin to measure our spirituality and our walk with God based on what we do and what we're able to do even through our own human strength. And so, again, I, I hope you hear my heart. Um, may we always be involved in helping people and taking care of the poor and taking care of those that are in, in devastated areas of the world. May that be who we are, but at the same time, may that never take the place from what it means to really be in love with Jesus and experience his love towards us on a continual basis to where everything that we do is inspired by this first love devotional experience that we live throughout the entirety of our lives on this earth. And of course, even beyond this earth, we we experience the fullness of that love and the fullness of that divine union. But there are there are many people that I believe begin to grow weary and they begin to grow um let me think of a good word here. They they begin to grow dull. That's a good word. They 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 grow dull when it comes to really experiencing the love of God and that first love experience. And that's why John says in Revelation chapter two, where he, he writes, Jesus says that, listen, go back and do your first works over. What's he telling us to do? Get along with Jesus. Make sure that you are prioritizing time with him, not just preaching and teaching and going to church and, and all those things which are all important, but make sure that, that your life consists of an ongoing, continual experience of that first love, um, devotion-based lifestyle where, where Jesus is everything to you. You are overwhelmed with him. You are overtaken by him. He's, he's not just a part of your life, but he becomes everything. He becomes your source of hope, your source of strength, your source of power. I mean, he's everything to you, and you have a single eye for Jesus and Jesus alone, and nothing in this world can ever take the place of him. You know, I have, I've watched people over the years, over three decades, even those that had a great anointing to preach the gospel upon their lives. I've, I've watched them get addicted to ministry and get addicted to the idol of ministry and get addicted to church life and walk away, even though they don't like go back into sin, so to speak, but they really walk away from that love affair that they once had with Jesus. And that's why Jesus is so direct in Revelation chapter two to, to repent, to repent of just doing the works of Jesus and doing good works that are connected to Jesus, but not really knowing him or not really loving him effectively. So, I, I mean, I know I'm saying this in, in multiple ways, but I believe it's important for us to understand the importance of what it really means to have a love-based, first love experience with him. It's everything for him. Without this, 
we just become religious. Without this, we go through the motions. Without this, we begin to wither. We were like that branch that's been separated from the vine. We might look the same for a season, but then we begin to dry up on the inside and and life begins to leave us and we lose our hope and our joy and, and all the things that that make us who we are. And, and again, we can still be addicted to religious works, but not really be intimate with Jesus Christ. So let me let me give you some some signs today of leaving our first love and and I believe again the bible is very clear that we are to love the lord our god with all our heart with all our soul with all our mind and with all our strength and when we lose this there are I believe some clear signs that begin to crop up in our lives and I'll get to as many of these as I can but but number 1 um, one sign of leaving your first love is that Jesus and Jesus alone no longer is becomes the primary focus and desire of your heart. Jesus and Jesus alone is no longer the single focus and primary desire of your heart. You see, when he's your first love, he's all you need, friend. There's a, there's a song, he's all I need, he's all I need. Jesus is all I need. Friend, is he everything to you? Is he enough for you? I, I'm telling you, when you see him as he is, and when you are in union with him, he's everything. Nothing else even comes close. It, it doesn't mean you don't enjoy life. It doesn't mean you don't enjoy family or your spouse or um, your career. All that's fine, but but he's everything. He's everything is experienced through intimacy with him, and he becomes the primary thing as with abraham he was the treasure he was the the source of value in in abraham's life and and oftentimes when we leave our first love then he's a part of our life but he's compartmentalized and he's not everything to us is jesus everything to you friend number 2 another sign of leaving your first love is you find yourself substituting time with jesus in prayer the Bible and worship for other things with little to no conviction. What do I mean? I mean, you'll spend five, six hours a day looking at an iPhone or a computer screen and maybe 15 minutes with Jesus. Friend, when we can do that with no conviction, then I believe we have left our first love. When we can, and again, I know we have to work, some of us, and I know we have family responsibilities, and some of us have children or grandchildren, and and maybe we own businesses, maybe we're missionaries overseas, whatever. However, it's it's very easy to be very committed to other things that have no great eternal value, and at the same time forsake intimacy with Jesus. You see, he must be the beginning of the day. He must be what we experience throughout the day, and he must be the ending of our day. It doesn't mean you're on your face praying 24-7, but it does mean that every part of our life has to be experienced through intimacy with him. You see, when we leave our first love, we substitute our time with him for the things of this world, even things that are not bad. Number three, um, we permit horizontal relationships such as I mentioned this, our careers, our hobbies, um, our friends. And, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with these things, but we permit these things to take precedent over 
the Lord whenever we substitute our first love. And you see, it's very easy to be sucked into the spirit of this age. It's very easy to be addicted maybe to sports, maybe to American football or maybe soccer or, you know, football in other parts of the world is is known as soccer or maybe whatever. Uh, maybe it's it, it's another hobby. Maybe it's fishing or something like that. Not that these things are, are sin, so to speak, but oftentimes whenever we get addicted to them in such a way that they become our driving force that friend we've we've left our first love you see i believe that jesus has to be so paramount in our lives that everything that we do whether it be hobbies and there's no sin with having a hobby i have a couple myself but i can never allow those things to pull my pull me away from intimacy with jesus and i have to learn to even incorporate devotion time even with even in the midst of my hobbies with the Lord. So number four, and I won't get through all of these, but number four, the sensitivity of God's presence and divine union with him that once that we once knew begins to wane and eventually becomes obsolete and only a fleeting memory. If you're listening to this today, how many of you remember a time whenever you were sensitive to the Holy Spirit? You were sensitive to the presence of Jesus. You you knew that he was near. You felt him. You experienced him. Maybe you would weep in his presence or maybe laugh in his presence as the joy of the Lord came upon your life, but you had a sensitivity to the spirit of God. You see, when you leave your first love, oftentimes you walk away, or not oftentimes, every time, you walk away from that, that place of being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I, I look at so many leaders in this generation, and I'm in my mid-50s, but I look at so many young leaders, and, and I love them, and I, I want to be there for them, but so many of them have no understanding of what it means to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, even in their gatherings, their corporate gatherings. They 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 have a learned behavior pattern, and, and they are afraid to allow the Lord to move. Why? Because they have no sensitivity to the Lord. They know how to do good church, and they know production and programs, but they do not know the Lord Jesus in an intimate way. When you walk away from your first love, friend, you lose that sensitivity. Number five, um, Religious works, again, and this is, I've said this, but let me read it to you again. Religious works, and even good religious works, begin to take the place of intimacy with the Lord. Often, this activity will increase to attempt to dull the sting of conviction from a backslidden heart. Um, I know that that's intense, but listen to me. Oftentimes, people that have walked away from their first love will substitute frantic religious activity for their place of knowing Jesus in a first love experience. And um, it, it's so easy to do this. I know I've talked about this, but hear my heart again, friend. You cannot allow good works to take the place of God himself. Our good works must be done through intimacy and first love. And if it's not, then it's just good religious works done through the arm of the flesh. Number six, when you leave your first love, you can develop a spirit of compromise that frequently turns into tolerance of sinful behavior, all the while adhering to religious practice, especially so that others can see it and be impressed by your external holy facade. And again, I've, I've kind of talked about this already as well, but 
But compromise sets in when you leave your first love. You see, when you're sensitive to Jesus and his spirit, um, you can't sit down and watch things that are anti-God or anti-Christ. You, you can't watch nudity. You can't listen to profanity. You can't listen to music that, that glorifies the spirit of this age and, and humanism and carnality and debauchery and all these things. Why? Because you're intimate with Jesus. You, you refuse to, to um, share your passions and your heart with the spirit of this world. Why? Because Jesus is everything to you, friend. He's your heartbeat. He's everything to you. Listen, I, I have a lot more that I can share, and maybe we'll come back and do a part three next week. But my my heart this week is that you have been encouraged by what you've heard. There are some of you that are listening that, that you need to come to the place right now where you humble yourself before the Lord, and you ask the Lord to forgive you. You repent, and you go back and do those first works over again. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for everyone listening to this today. Father, bring conviction to their hearts. Bring them to a place of repentance. And Lord, may we know you in that first love experience as we never have before. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Maintain the Flame today. We are blessed to know that we're making an impact and that we're reaching people around the world. Continue to pray for us. You can visit us at keith-collins.org or impactgf.org. God bless you, and we'll see you next week again on Maintain the Flame. Be blessed. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins today. I trust that you've been blessed and encouraged as you've listened. And if you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then let me encourage you to listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at keith-collins.org or impactgf.org. May the fire of God burn brighter and hotter in your life. God bless you.